a young man, uh, late teens, early 20s, I was lured away by a false gospel, what they call the prosperity gospel or the, the health and wealth gospel. And yes, God wants us to be healthy. And yes, God wants to pour out his abundant provision upon us, but the question is why? Why does he want us to have health and wealth? Well, the health and wealth preachers told me that God wanted me to be healthy and wealthy so that I could live like a king's kid, that I could have it all. And yet somehow that seemed selfish. It seemed contrary to all those other passages in the Bible about generosity and even suffering. So why? Why has God blessed you with health and wealth? What does Psalm 67 say? We heard it this morning, slightly different translation. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Are you with me so far? Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Verse 2, the reason why. So that your ways may be made known on earth, your salvation among all nations. So the reason God has poured out his blessing upon you is so that God's ways may be made known on earth and his salvation among all nations. So you have been blessed to be a blessing. If God has given you abundant resources, he has given them to you so that salvation may reach to all the peoples of this planet. As David Platt said in his book, Radical, anyone read that one? It's a great book, isn't it? Oh, it's a great book. He said, the goal of the American dream is to make much of us, but the goal of the gospel is to make much of God. Big difference. Pastor Platt went on to tell the story of uh, this, the Monday morning after he had preached about the rich young ruler. So he preached about the rich young ruler and how God told him to give away everything. So this guy, this fairly wealthy man, came to his office that Monday morning. And I don't know about uh, Father West, but when somebody comes to your office Monday morning after the sermon, you, you get a little bit nervous. And the guy said... I think you're crazy for saying some of the things you're saying. But I think you're right. Now, I think I'm crazy for thinking some of the things I'm thinking. And then he went on to explain how he decided to sell his mega house and move into something smaller and to give away much of his possessions and to use much of his income for the sake of the kingdom. Then he looked up with tears in his eyes and said, I wonder at some point if I'm being irresponsible. But then I realized there's never going to come a time when I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, I wish you had kept more for yourself. <laughs> and then he went on and said that I'm confident that God will take care of me. See, that man understood Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your ways may be made known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Now, all nations here 
refers to all people groups. So when we think of India, we tend to think of one political nation. But there are hundreds, if not thousands, of nations within the country of India. Because a nation, biblically, is a people group, a linguistic group, a language, and then a cultural group subsets within those languages. So our Heavenly Father wants all nations, all people groups, to love, serve, and worship him, and to receive his gift of eternal life. So for people groups to receive God's blessing of salvation, number one, God goes out to reach them. Did you know that? That right now, God is stirring the hearts of people all over the world in places where they've never even heard the gospel. They may have heard of Christianity, but they've never heard the gospel. And God goes ahead of us, preparing the hearts of the people. And then number two, God sends Christian workers, sometimes called missionaries, to those people. And then number three, God raises up senders, people who send these Christian workers out to those people. And senders do two things. They fervently pray for those Christian workers in those uh, dangerous parts of the world, and they financially support those Christian workers. Currently, there are 3.4 billion people on this planet who have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may have heard of Christianity, but they've never heard the gospel. They've never had a clear presentation. That's 42% of the world never even heard it. And sadly, only one half of 1% of Christian offerings go to frontier missions, to missions to the unreached people groups of the world. And sadly, less than 2% of missional giving goes to those who are unreached. As R.W. Lewis said, roughly 30 times more missionaries go to reached people groups with Christians, to work with Christians, as go to unreached people groups. Now, if God has blessed us so abundantly so that God's ways may be made known on earth and is salvation among all nations, then what should you do? What should you do? Should you stay or should you go? Back in 1981, the Clash sang, the punk rock group, the Clash, sang the song, uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Anyone remember that one? Anyone want to admit it? Okay. Well, they weren't talking about missions, but that's the question that all faithful Christians must ask is, should I stay or should I go? What is God calling me to do? Where is he calling me to go? With whom is he calling me to associate? Should I stay or should I go? Faithful Christians want to know God's will for their life. Now, his general will is clear in Scripture and his commandments. But his specific will is discerned through prayer and godly counsel. Should I stay or should I go? How can you best use the resources in which God has entrusted you that his ways may be made known on earth and his salvation among all nations? And then what should you do? What is God calling you to do? Have you been listening? Have you been listening to what he is calling you 
to do. Well, in Genesis chapter 12, Abram, whom God will later call Abraham, discerned God's voice. He heard God speak supernaturally. He heard God say to go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. There's a catch there in it, right? I'm going to make your name great so that you can be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and in him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So he's saying, go from your country, your culture, your native language. Go from your family, likely to never see them again. Go to the land I will show you. That's a big ask, isn't it? I mean, God's making a big ask of Abram. And yet he didn't hesitate. When he knew he had heard from God, he went. So how do you hear from God? There are at least five biblical ways that we hear from God. Number one, we hear God speak directly through prayer, like Abram, Moses, David, Paul, Jesus, and many, many others. Number two, we hear God speak through dreams, like Jacob, Joseph, Solomon, Daniel, Pilate's wife, and many, many others. Number three, we hear God speak through visions, like the prophet Nathan, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, and Isaiah and John's father, Zechariah, and Ananias, Paul, and many, many others. In Acts chapter 2, in Peter's Pentecost sermon, he quoted the prophet Joel, who said, Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Number four, we hear God speak through someone else. Biblically, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a prophetic word. We see examples all throughout Scripture. The 70 elders in Numbers chapter 11. The four daughters of Philip, the evangelist, in Acts chapter 21. John, throughout the book of Revelation. All the prophets in the Old Testament and many, many others. And finally, number five, we hear God speak through the Holy Scriptures. At times, you'll be reading your Bible, and it's just like, whoa, that was a word from God. Yeah, it's all a word from God, right? But sometimes it's a specific word from God to you. And sometimes you'll be hearing Father West or someone else preach and you'll say, and you'll think, has he been looking in my window? (laughs) Has he been reading my email? How did he know? It's like, wow, that sermon was for me. That's a prophetic word through a sermon. And as Abram heard God speak directly to him in Genesis chapter 12, so God still speaks today. From the long version of the Venite, which we, we uh, pray in morning prayer from Psalm 95, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, in Genesis 12, after Abram heard God speak, he went where God directed him to go. Should I stay or should I go? Go. Go to the land I will show you. So Abram packed up his family, he packed up his possessions, and he began to move west as God directed him. Now, Abram received no trifold color brochure. He received no website with pictures, and, and he had no assurance that it would be safe. God just said, go. 
to the land I will show you. And he went. Can you imagine somebody signing you up for a a tour of the Holy Land and saying, trust me, it's going to be great. But where, where, where are the accommodations? Now just trust me, it's going to be great. Well, that's sort of what God did with Abram. So, what is God calling you to do? Where is he calling you to go? With whom is he calling you to do it? Where must you go to fulfill his purpose? When you go, regardless if it's it's to Jakarta or to Jackson, what will you do? In Genesis chapter 12, God told Abram and his descendants, the Jewish people, to go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Is God going to show you? What do you think? I think so, if if you wait and listen. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so, Christian, that you will be a blessing. God doesn't just bless you to make you happy. He blesses you to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, meaning all the different people groups, the different family groups in the world shall be blessed. So Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people, were not to be hoarders of God's blessings, but to be spreaders of God's blessings. Now, during the time of the prophet Jonah, what's Jonah famous for? The whale, the fish, that's right. Well, the people during the time of Jonah had become hoarders of God's blessings. I'm going to keep them for myself. Instead of spreading the good news of the Lord to the Assyrian people, they hoped for their destruction. Go get them, God. Wipe them out. And they were some pretty bad people, by the way. But God called Jonah to go and preach repentance to the Assyrians in that great city of Nineveh. But Jonah refused. I'm not going to do that. I want to do this. But God said, I want you to do that. Jonah said, but I want to do this. God said, no, I want you to do that. Go to the Assyrian people. So Jonah stomped off, went down to Joppa, got on a ship going as far west in the Mediterranean as was known possible at that time. He got on that ship to run away from God. And Have any of you all ever tried to run away from God? How did that work for you? Was he able to catch up with you? Well, he was able to catch up with Jonah. And he sent this horrible storm, this, this uh, hurricane of a storm. And he finally fessed up and said, yeah, it's me. I'm running from my God. And Jonah said, well, if you want the storm to stop, you're going to have to throw me in the water. Notice Jonah didn't say, I'll jump in. <laughs> he said, you're going to have to throw me in. They threw him in the water. And then God did an amazing thing. This rebellious, stubborn prophet, God rescued him by sending this giant fish or this whale. He rescued him from certain death, which is what he was trying to do for the Ninevites. And after three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, much like Jesus in the the tomb, God sent the whale back and spit him out onto the ground having him head to Nineveh to preach repentance. 
So he finally repented enough to say, yes, okay, I'll do it. I don't really want to, but I'll do it. And then he preached repentance. And the most horrible thing for Jonah happened. They actually did. They repented. Wouldn't that be horrible, Father West, if you preached repentance and they actually repented? Would you be weeping? I can't believe they're repenting. I wanted God's judgment. Can you imagine? It just sounds crazy, right? And yet that is what happened. Jonah was furious with God. I can't believe that you've had mercy on them. We wanted God's judgment. So instead of spreading the good news of Jesus, they hoard the good news of Jesus and complain about all those people. Does that sound familiar? Has that ever happened today? That Christians would complain about this group or that group or that political party or, or, or this group of people? or You know, that happens among Christians, doesn't it? But God doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to be hoarders of God's blessings and and complainers about others. He wants us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those people, that they might receive salvation and that they might find joyful repentance. Pope Francis said, Jesus teaches us another way. Go out. Go out and share your testimony. Go out and interact with your brothers. Go out and share. Go out and ask. Become the word in body as well as spirit. Baptist pastor Adrian Rogers said, it's not the pastor's job to fill the pulpit. Excuse me, it's not the pastor's job to fill the pews. It's the pastor's job to fill the pulpit. In other words, shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. Charles Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Okay, I'll get an Anglican in here. Anglican Bishop Fitzsimmons Allison of South Carolina said, God has no grandchildren. Grace and faith are not genetically transmitted. Each generation must be converted anew. God has blessed you with salvation Adoption into God's family. He has blessed you to be a blessing. He says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Some of us, some of us must go to far off lands with a team of senders supporting them financially and in prayers. But some of us must go to a rescue mission right here in town. Some of us must go to a Muslim or Hindu neighbor or to an international student. God longs to bring his blessings to all people groups of the world. Will you be a hoarder of God's blessings or will you be a spreader of God's blessings? For decades, Mary and I, literally decades, uh, have been senders, supporting Christian workers through our prayers and through our finances. But now God has called us to reverse roles. It's very different to be Christian workers in North Africa. We've been called by God to go. But we are being sent by senders who support us through their prayers and through their finances. So I think all of us have to ask the question, why 
has God blessed us? He has blessed us to be a blessing, that God's ways may be made known on earth and his salvation among all nations. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for designing us and saving us and using us for your glory. We pray, Lord, that you would give us specific guidance in the days and months and years to come, that we might fulfill your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.